my Sunday school class, really, honestly, my intent is not to preach through the book of John. But whatever the Lord wants, uh, and the more I study it for Sunday school, I'm loving it. I'm loving John. And uh, the more I study for Sunday school, the more I realize that, uh, that uh, I just, there's so much in it that I need to preach on. And uh, so John 3 is one of those uh, chapters that everybody, you know, that's, that's in church, been saved any time much, kind of knows by heart uh, the encounter with Nicodemus. But I'll tell you what I believe. I believe that uh, we need to get back to some of those basic things. I've been studying on that a little bit. And I got thinking this week as the Lord started laid some thoughts in my heart for John 3. I'm thinking, how long had it been since I preached on Nicodemus, the encounter with Nicodemus? A long time. I couldn't even find it in my notes the last time I preached out John chapter number 3. I'll tell you why that is. A lot of times as a preacher, you want to introduce some, uh, some verses or some concept that nobody's ever seen before, you know, and uh, try, to, try to show something. But, you know, uh, somebody preached to us when we were little out of John 3, and uh, about uh, Jonah and the whale and about the three Hebrew children in a fiery furnace and about Daniel in a lion's den, I think it'd be good for us to go back and preach on some of those old standards again and dig some thoughts out of them. Now, John 3 deals with salvation. Matter of fact, in the verses that I'm going to read to you this morning is the great, uh, the great command, ye must be born again. And uh, it deals with the new birth in John 3. Now, I'm going to probably show you just, just some basic things this morning about salvation, about being born again. But the sad fact is that in the majority of our churches, what I'm going to show you today is just simple, basic things about salvation in the majority of our churches. It's absolutely foreign. They have no understanding of it at all. People don't even know really what it means to be born again. That's a, a phrase that we throw around and say, well, I'm born again, or they got born again. But really, what does it mean to be born again? Uh, what does the Bible, the Bible say about what it means to be born again? So I want to show you that this morning. And uh, maybe you'll have a better understanding. If you're saved, you'll have a better understanding of what happened to you when you got saved. And if you're here today and you're not saved, you'll have a better understanding of what it means to be really saved and to be born again. Let's read these verses. I'll read verse 7 verses out of John 3. The Bible says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus and ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night, said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered, said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Let's pray together. Father, we ask the Lord Jesus' name that you'd help us this morning as we stand to preach the word. I pray, God, that you'd touch hearts. Lord, no doubt, across this congregation, they're saved folk. Lord, but if they don't really understand the new birth, then there's lost people. God, they never have been born again. They have no understanding of the new birth. So I pray, God, this morning, Lord, that you'd help us to impart some solid doctrine, have some wisdom out of the word of God. Do that as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I, I want us to look here, and this, uh, these are very uh, fundamental thoughts, uh, basic thoughts, uh, on what it is to be uh, born again. What happens when you get born again? Now, uh, John 3 might be, now I said it might be, the greatest chapter in all the Bible. I mean that. I love Romans chapter number 5. That's one of my favorites. I love all of the book of Philippians. But really, when you get right down to it, John 3 might be the, the, the pinnacle of all the chapters of the Bible. John chapter number 3, you find Nicodemus. He's come to the Lord by night. The Bible says here that he was a ruler of the Jews. That word ruler meant that Nicodemus was likely a member of the Sanhedrin. Now, what was the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin was the greatest ecclesiastical governing body of the Jews. I mean, they made a lot of decisions about different things that would happen according to Jewish, Jewish custom, Jewish religion. And so he being a ruler meant that he sat on the Sanhedrin. Now, men that sat on the Sanhedrin, they were expected to pray two hours a day. Anybody in here this week prayed two hours every day? I got to put my hand down too. I have also not prayed two hours a day. They were expected to tithe of everything that they had. Well, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you tithe this morning of everything that you had. Then they were also expected to read the Old Testament and to be very knowledgeable. As a matter of fact, they were masters concerning both the written and the oral law. What I'm trying to tell you is that this man, Nicodemus, would have put everybody in this building to shame as far as religion is concerned. He was the religious, most religious man you ever met in your life. You've never been around anybody, I guarantee you, you've never been around anybody as religious as Nicodemus. And yet word came to Nicodemus about the Lord and what Jesus was doing. And boy, it piqued his interest. He thought, there's something about this man, something that I can get from him. And so we see Nicodemus sneaking up there under the cover of night. He didn't want anybody to know. He didn't want the word to get out that he would went and met with this man that was considered a rebel, uh, this man that had cleansed the temple and run the money changers off, uh, this man that the whispers say uh, he could work miracles like turning water into wine. Uh, Nicodemus sneaks up there in the, uh, in the dark of night, has a conversation with the Lord uh, that is still one of the greatest conversations that anybody has ever had on the face of the planet. So he's there in the dark of the night. And he's having this conversation with the Lord. Now, he says something interesting here. He says, Master, we know, we know that thou art come from God. No man can do these miracles that thou doest except God 
me with him. That's interesting. He says, we know. What in the world was he talking about? We know. I believe that uh, Brother Marvin, he'd probably been talking to some of the other members of the Sanhedrin. And uh, there was more than just Nicodemus that had some ideas about who Jesus was. And they said, because he said, we know, not I know. They said, we know. And then the litmus test, Brother Frank, that he used was the miracles that Jesus did. He said, you've been doing these miracles and we know that in order to do these miracles, you must be born again. So, Nicodemus, or you must be a God, Nicodemus, put it to the Lord and he's ready to hear an answer. He wants to hear an answer. In other words, Nicodemus wants Jesus to say something about his miracles. He wants Nicodemus to say something about what power it is he's doing this through. He wants Nicodemus to say something about how that God had sent him. But instead, Nicodemus, or instead, Jesus looks Nicodemus in the eyeball and he says, Ye must be born again. Now, let me say this, and I'm going to get into the message. All throughout John 1 and 2, we see what Jesus did. In John 3, for the first time, we're going to hear what Jesus says. This is his first great dissertation that you'll find in the book of John. And he starts it out with, you must be born again. Well, that confused Nicodemus. And let's just be honest. If you didn't know anything about the Bible, that would confuse you too. If you came up to me and you said, you know, what have I got to do? Or how? And I said, well, you need to be born again. And you knew nothing about the Bible. You'd do this exactly what Nicodemus did. He looked at Jesus and he said, what? Can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? That, that doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus goes about explaining the process of being born again. You see, the problem was not with Nicodemus' first birth. The problem was the sin nature that Nicodemus inherited by being born. He received Adam's sin nature. Uh, and by, because he had Adam's sin nature, he being alive yet was dead. Uh, did you know that everybody that's lost without God is dead and in trespasses of sin? And if they die that way, they will forever die in hell. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, through the new birth, uh, we have the opportunity to live in Christ forever and ever and ever because we have been born again. So I just preach to you just a few little simple thoughts this morning about the new birth. And I preach to you just a little while on you must be born again. You must be born again. First of all, let's talk about the change of the new birth. Jesus said you must be born again. Exactly what does that mean? What does it mean to be born again? Well, Society has some ideas about it. Religion has some ideas about it. They would say that to be born again means to reform yourself, to mend your manner of life, to turn over a new leaf. Being born again is you used to cuss, but you quit cussing so much. Being born again is you used to drink, but you quit drinking so much. Uh, 
It's, it's reforming. It's turning over a new leaf. But you see, that's not it at all. Being born again deals with the heart of a man, not with the outward appearance of a man. Religion is all about reform, but salvation is all about regeneration on the inside. Imagine for a minute that my truck had a blown motor. Let's say I blew the motor in my truck. It wouldn't start. How foolish of me would it be to take and hook that thing up and drag it to town and push it through the car wash? You say, I, and I could say, well, I really want it to look good. And you say, well, don't you need to fix the motor? No, it'll look good. I want it clean. I'm going to put armor all on the tires. I'm going to shine up the wheels. I'm going to wash it and I'm going to wax it. Somebody said, you ought to be spending your time fixing the engine. Oh, that'll be all right. I'm just going to get it where it looks good. You know, I'll put, park it next to the road. People will go by and they'll say, boy, look at that truck. That thing looks good. Boy, he's really got it shined up. Man, he's got it looking good. Well, that's the way Reformation is. You quit your drinking, you quit your cussing, you quit your lying, you quit your cheating, you quit it all. Quit, 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 quit. But down on the inside, there's still a problem. You see the engine still won't start. You got the outside cleaned up. But that's what salvation means to 90% of America. If you're going to have salvation, it means to quit doing a bunch of stuff. Quit, quit, quit. It's a takeaway business. Got to take this out of my life. Got to take that out of my life. I got to quit doing this. I got to quit doing that. I've got to reform. I got to mend my manner of life. I'm here to tell you that the new birth has nothing to do with you mending your manner of life. You see, it's not an outward fix that God wants. It's an inward fix. We've got to get our minds out of thinking right about the area of salvation. It is an inward, it's an inward fix, not an outward fix. And so there's some that say, well, the new birth of reform. Others would say to be born again is to join a religion, join up with a certain religion. But the man to whom Jesus made this statement was one of the most religious men that ever was. So it can't be a religion. Others would insist that it's a change of heart. Have a change of heart. We need a change of heart. And can I say to you that you can search the scriptures uh, and you'll not find a single verse that says for you to change your heart. Not a single verse. The emphasis is on an emotion. We want a certain emotional feel. We want to be stirred emotionally somehow. We think that salvation's goosebumps and warm feelings and crocodile tears and boy, my toes curled up. I felt electricity flow through my I've heard it all. That's not what it's about. Now, all them things may happen to you. I say, thank God for feelings every now and again. Holy Spirit goes to working around my heart. I can't hardly contain it. I want to run, shout, jump, pew, and holler, a war hoop. Praise God. I love it when I can feel it, but it's not about what I feel. It's about the facts of the Word of God. I'm telling you, we've got to get away from this whole emotionally, try to stir up an emotional reaction and get to what does the Bible say. That's all that matters anyway, ain't it? Hey, and that's all that matters, right? What the Bible said about salvation. I don't care what the Baptists say. I don't care what the brethren says. I don't care what anybody, I don't care what you think. I, I don't care what the commentators say. What I'm interested in is what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? That's what I'm interested in this morning. And so it's not a change of heart. <laughs> so what is it? Would you believe this morning I'm going to take uh, Israel my grandson, some of these other babies, 
fresh born. And I'm going to show you what it is. <laughs> it's just that simple. It's plain with the nose on your face. Jesus said you must be born again. Well, let's think about it. It is, think about the change of the new, of the new birth. Change in the new birth. Well, uh, think of how newborn changes. When a baby is born, the day of its delivery, everything changes. <laughs> Nothing is first. It comes out of darkness and into light. Now, the thing about when a baby's first born, you know, Israel, he sleeps a lot. You turn on them bright lights, and they're like, whoo, boy. You know why that is? Nine months, they saw nothing but darkness. They didn't know it was dark because it's all they'd ever known. And see, that's the way a lost person is. A lost person sees nothing but darkness. They don't know it's dark because it's all the only thing they've ever known. Now, those of us that have been in the light can look at somebody that's still in darkness and say, don't you understand you're in the dark? Well, not really. That's the only life they've ever known. They never have known anything any different. They've never known what it is to be exposed to the light. But when you take a newborn baby, and that baby gets exposed to the light, what does he do? Boy, his eyes, whoo, that's bright. That's real. That's, that's a lot of light. Well, that's kind of how it was the day you got saved. You remember the morning you got born again? You passed from this darkness you'd been living in to this light. And so when you get in the light, you're like, whoa, that's bright. Now, what does a kid do? Now, I want you to think about this. What does a kid do as, it, as time goes on? What does the kid become afraid of? The dark, right? Have you ever met a kid that's afraid of the light? I never have met one. I, never, I have never met a kid that said, oh, I hope it don't get daylight in the morning. Because I'm scared to death of daylight. <laughs> I'm scared that don't turn the lights on. I'm afraid, of the, I'm afraid of the light. No. Well, they do. They get afraid of the dark. You know why? Because they get comfortable and adjusted to a life lived in the light. And all of a sudden, when the lights go out, they're no longer accustomed to it. They no longer know how to handle it. You know, the Bible tells us, uh, children, ye are children of light. Children of light. So when we get saved, we get called out of the darkness that we were in, born into a world of light. Then we get to where we like the light so much, we can't stand the dark anymore. And if you can stand the dark, you got a problem, honey. Once you get in the light, you don't like the dark anymore. And so he came out of darkness. When he's born, everything changes it come out of darkness and into light. And I got to think about this. When Israel was born that day, he had no idea who his mom and daddy was. No clue. You could have took anybody in that hospital and picked him up and said, that's your mama. And he wouldn't have known. He ain't got, he ain't got no clue who his mom and daddy is. And so there was a lot of things when he's born, that he didn't know. That he didn't know. But Monica sent us a picture of this last week, and that's what kind of got me thinking along these lines. Israel laying there looking at her, and you know, 
this, this a love and look for his, for his mama. Now he's a month old uh, and he's starting to learn who his mama is and who his daddy is. And you see, it's a process of him growing and learning. And what does he do? He, has, he gets a new relationship uh, and he learns to depend upon them. Uh, well, that's just like being saved. Uh, when I got born again, uh, I didn't know what all I'd got in on. Uh, I knew I didn't want to go to hell and that's about it. How about anybody else? The day I got saved, all I knew is I didn't want to go to hell. I was scared to death of going to hell. I didn't want to go. So I got saved, born again. Boy, when I got birthed in the family of God, oh boy, I got in the bride. And then first thing you know, I got a new daddy. Hey man, somebody take care of me. And, and I've learned and developed a relationship. So what will happen over the years of that baby is what will he do? He'll form a relationship right here. That'll be mom and daddy. And as time goes on, his relationship will get deeper and deeper and deeper. And so that is, a, but now I want to think about what does it mean on his end of things? I want you to think about it. So we've seen the change of the new birth. The new birth is the impartation of a new nature. Watch this right here. If you don't get anything else, be sure you get this right here. When I got born the first time, I got imparted unto me the nature of my mom and dad. I'm a mixture of my mom and dad. I got my mama's propensity to worry, and I got my daddy's big mouth. So I got part of both. When Israel was born, he received imparted unto him a portion of both Trey and Monica's nature. That nature was placed in him. That's what it means to be born. You're made out of two. And I'm going to show you here in a minute how we're made out of two. And I, I, this is getting right good. I might run and shout. But those two impart their nature unto you. And you become a product of your parents. Huh? You ever seen your kids do something and you say, well, that's just like, most of the time what happens is the mom looks at the dad and says, he acting just like you. Huh? And that's the truth. Because they, they act like us, am I right? That, but you know what happened the day I got saved? I got the nature of the father. That's what happened. That is the process of the new birth. When I put my faith in Christ, he puts his nature inside of me. That is, that's what it means to be born again. It's when the God of heaven imparts his nature on the inside of us. Now, how does that happen? That happens through the person of the Holy Ghost. Watch this. The moment I put faith, uh, Miss Lisa, in, in Christ, uh, the Holy Ghost moved on the inside of me, uh, and he sealed it up, uh, and he started working the nature of Christ out of me. Uh, amen. And I'm saved just like I was telling you this morning in Sunday school on two good works and the reason that I'll have good works is because the nature of Christ is working out of me I received the very nature of God the day I got born again but how'd that happen how'd that happen now, now right here's where I'm going to teach you some things and it may be the first time you've ever thought about it you've seen it but you've never thought about it there's the change of the new birth but I want you to think about the conception of the new birth. How does that happen? Now, uh, without having to go into any great detail, 
Everybody that's old enough to know in here knows how babies conceived. Amen. And, but just as a baby, a human baby, is conceived, a spiritual baby, there's a conception process. And the Bible tells us about it right here in John 3. There's a conception process. This is a part of, this is a part of it that I think a lot of people don't understand spiritually. Would you open your minds and your hearts just a minute? Open your ears, your minds, your hearts. Let's see how God conceives a spiritual baby. First, just as with a natural, so for a natural baby to be born, there has to be a seed and an egg, right? There's two parts. In the same way, there's two parts. We sit right here in John 3 to the spiritual conception of a new birth. Let me give them to you. Number one, there is the water of the word, which is the seed of conception. Jesus said, Jesus said, except to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Uh, verse number five, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. So the seed is the water. That's that water. And that's the first necessary ingredient. Ingredient. For a spiritual conception. Let me say this to you. The word of God. Listen to me now. The word of God. Is forever God's instrument. That he uses in bringing. Regeneration. There is no salvation. Except through and by the Bible. What does the Bible say in Romans 10 17. Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So now I want you to watch this. This is so interesting to me. I got. I got thinking about it this week. This past Monday, man, I preached to the lost. You know, last Sunday, we had three or four get saved here. Boy, wasn't that a blessing. Monday night, I preached hard to the lost, a a congregation full of people, and not a soul moved. You talk about a a discouraging time for a preacher. That's discouraging. I left discouraged. God brought it to my mind about sowing seed. Here's the thing about spiritual babies sometimes the seed is sowed and there's basically no gestation period somebody's got an open heart the seed finds good ground immediately the spirit convicts them they will think about it literally zero I mean all they know is that God has spoken to their heart the word of God has instructed them, showed them they're a sinner, showed them there's punishment to come, showed them that faith in Christ is the only way out of it. They immediately make a decision, put their faith in Christ, walk an aisle, get birthed into the family of God. There is no gestation period. But for the majority of people, you think about how it takes nine months after that seed is planted. It takes nine months to bring forth a, a human child. For the majority of people, there's a gestation period that comes along with being spiritually born again. In other words, the preacher preaches and the seed goes in. It goes into the heart. They say, no, I don't want to get saved today. 
but it's, that doesn't quit working on them. See, it continues to work and it continues to work until eventually, and a lot of people, it'll bring forth a spiritual birth. Now, not always. Sometimes they completely refuse and God's not going to make them get saved. But I'm glad if you're sowing seed and giving out the Word of God, the Word of God will have its effect. And sometimes there's a period. It might take months. It might take years. It might be decades later when that seed will germinate and bring forth a spiritual new birth. So there's the seed. You see the, the Word of God. That's the reason we need preaching the Bible. I'll tell, tell you what this world needs preaching the Bible. We don't, need, we don't need stories. We don't need anecdotes. We don't need the latest newspaper clippings. What we need is preaching the Bible. I believe it. I believe the preaching of the Scriptures changed the world. And, and what our church ought to be about is the proclamation of the Bible. You know what I'm doing this morning? I'm just giving you the gospel. It's not fancy. I don't have any big stories. I don't have the greatest of illustrations. I'm not against that stuff. I like to have stories and illustrations, but I don't have any great stories or illustrations to give you this morning. All I got to give you is the Word of God, and that is what will get the job done. The preach of the cross is them that perish foolishness, but unto us which believe it is the power of God. We need the preaching of the Bible. We need the preaching of the Scripture. So there's that seed. But then there's another thing, right? He said, born of the water and what? Of the Spirit. So it's the Spirit of God that brings forth the new birth. Now let me tell you what that looks like. When a man puts his saving faith in Christ. And what does that mean? Saving faith in Christ. I brought it out this morning in my Sunday school class. At the end of John chapter number 2, the Bible says that there was those that put their faith in the name of Christ but Jesus would not commit himself unto them, for he knew their hearts. Now, there's a difference in me believing in that chair. I believe in that chair. Anybody else? Everybody believe in the chair? Everybody can see it? Uh, Brother Jason, I believe that chair is able to hold up a man. I believe it was built to hold up a man. I believe it's held up other men. I believe it could hold up you. I believe. Well, there's a lot of people that believe in Christ. That is the historical figure of Jesus. They believe that Jesus lived. They believe that Jesus died. They might even believe that Jesus was God. There's all kinds of things that you can believe about Jesus. But the difference in believing in the chair and believing on the chair is looking at it, I can believe in it. But you see, when I put my weight on it and recline in it and trust it to hold me up, now I'm believing on the chair. I'm having faith on the chair. And this is saving faith. The moment... That you recline in Christ and say, Lord, I believe you for everything. I'm putting my faith in you. The moment that you do that, the Spirit of God works a new birth in your life. What he does is he takes the Word of God, that seed, that, that, that seed, he adds to it the Spirit of God, and it quickens inside of you a new man. Mason. Got saved Sunday. He said, I feel better now. He don't understand all this. The majority of you this morning, if you'll be honest, I'm preaching to you things right now about salvation that you didn't understand until right now. 
He don't understand that he's been regenerated and brought forth in a new birth and that his, uh, that his life has been made new through the stirring of God and through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God and that the, the, the essence of God has been placed on the inside of him and he's received a new nature. He don't understand all that. All he understands is it feels better now. I once was blind, but now I see was lost but now I'm found. Again, let's talk about Israel. When Israel was born, the doctors did all kinds of tests. They said his hemoglobin's good. They said his bilirubin's good. They said his heart sounds good. They said his eyes are looking good. And they got all these tests for newborns and all of these parameters and all these things. Hearing's good, all this stuff. He didn't know any of that. Like I said, he didn't know who his mom and daddy was. All he knew was he'd come out of darkness and in light. Well, that's the way it is when a person first gets saved. There's a lot, Mason, about salvation you don't understand yet, but you will if you get in that Bible and study the Bible, learn from the Bible. You'll learn more and more and more and more and more about it like a little baby. And like a baby growing gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'll deal with that in just a minute. Gets bigger and bigger, and he knows more and more. But to begin with, all you know is it, don't, it feels better. It just feels better because something happened on the inside. Well, hallelujah. Am I, am I preaching right? That is done by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. That's what we need. We need to get back to that. Quit all this psychology business. You know, over our Monday night, I wanted somebody to move so bad I couldn't stand it. I almost said, if you love your mama, come on, get in the hall. Lord, help, it was tight. I had good liberty to preach. When the altar call come around, oh, it was tight. You ever been there? Y'all been in them services where it's like somebody needed to move, but wouldn't nobody move? And everybody's like walking on pins and needles, didn't know what to do. You try every trick in the book, won't nobody move. And I'm telling you, we need to get away from all that psychology mess and just start preaching the Word of God again and saying, hey, what we need, what you need is the Spirit of God to work in your life. Because what good is it, what good is it if I put on Facebook this afternoon, had 45 get saved up at Concord Baptist Church this afternoon, but none of them really got saved, what good is that? <laughs> That's no good, is it, Gary? That's zero good. The only thing that will be good is if people really get the Word of God put down in their heart and the Spirit of God works on the Word of God and brings forth a new birth and changes them, puts a new nature in them and makes them want to do better and makes them want to serve God. Then we're headed in the right direction. So there's the change in the new birth and then there's the conception in the new birth. But then, let me deal with this right here and I'm going to be done. There's a challenge of the new birth. Now here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now we think he meant heaven. But I'm going to submit to you, I don't believe that's what he meant. Hang on with me now. Now for sure, you've got to be born again to see heaven. For sure that's true. But he didn't say heaven, he said the kingdom of God. I believe the book of Romans sheds a little light on this. Look at it. Romans chapter number 14, verse number 17. I'm going to let Rachel put it up. Romans 14, 17. Look what the Bible said. For the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but what is it? It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
Here's what Jesus said. Jesus wasn't talking about some future life in heaven. He wasn't what he was telling. He said, unless you get born again, you're never going to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You'll never have that except to be born again. Now, you're also never going to get to heaven, but you're never going to get a, a portion in the kingdom of God. How many of you are glad this morning that when you got born again, you got birthed into the kingdom of God? Now, I live in the kingdom of God now. I, 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 let me reiterate it. I live in the kingdom of God right now because I live a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm done there. I'm done in. I'm living in the kingdom of God right now. Now there's a challenge. Here's a challenge. Here's the challenge. Right now, Monica just got done feeding Israel. He's eating three ounces. Three ounces. Now, that's cute, right? Feed him three ounces. Whoo, three ounces. Going up, she said last night, getting ready to go up to four ounces. Whoo, four ounces. How cute. That's great. He, that means he's healthy. He's eating. He loves to eat. Boy, what a healthy boy. Now, let me ask you something. If, if Mason come in, Mason come in, and Jason said, boy, we're so proud of Mason. Megan said, yeah, you ain't going to believe it. Eat four ounces out of a bottle this morning. <laughs> Everybody would say, what is the matter with that boy? <laughs> it's, it's sweet and it's cute when a newborn lays on the ground, moves its hand. Hey. But if Bobby was laying up here on the floor this morning, moving his hands around and kicking his feet, we'd all say, what's the matter with that fella? Something wrong with him. He needs to act like a man. Quit acting like a baby. You see, we all recognize there's differences between babies and men. The object is for them to grow. We laugh about that. But can I say to you this morning, there's a lot of people been saved 15, 20, 25 years, and they're still going, give me that bottle. Any little old thing happens, they cry and pitch a fit and act like a baby. They never have grown. The challenge is, the challenge is, once you're born again, to begin to grow in the Lord. Now, how's that done? Well, to begin with, there's a sincere desire for the milk. Boy, he eats them bottles up. He wants them. It gets feeding time, that mouth's open. He's looking, all that young and cares about some bottle. Give me a bottle. I want my bottle. You know, the sad fact is, Brother Marvin, Folks get saved in the church, but then the church fails to discipleship. They're hungry. They're hungry, but the church doesn't give me anything. You know where they get it? They get it off YouTube. They get it from their friends at work. And then they end up in all kinds of strange doctrines blown about by every wind of doctrine because the church didn't feed them. God help us do a little feed.
God help us put the hey when these newborn babes get birth into the family of God God help some of you Sunday school teachers stick a bottle in their mouth uh, God help some of us that are preachers uh, how to teach them a little something show them a little something so they can grow but you can't live on milk forever here in just a minute I'm going to be done we're going to go up on the hill and there's going to be I have it on good authority that there's going to be tenderloin Amen. Ribs, brisket. So you start eating the meat. And you know how, and I'm going to show you something right here. You know how you know when you're growing in Christ? It's because you become bold in your faith. Let me show you something. I'll show you this right here and I'm going to be done. Did you know Nicodemus is mentioned two more times in the book of John? First time, Nicodemus comes sneaking in at night. The second time, the Sanhedrin has Jesus on trial. And in John 7, he says, Nicodemus saith unto him, He that came by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. Now notice, give me John, 7 chapter, John chapter number 7, verse number 50, Rachel. Notice when Nicodemus testifies, the Bible tells us it's he that came to Jesus by night. Now look again after the death of Christ in John chapter number 19, verse number 39. The Bible says, and there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about a hundred pound weight. Both times the Bible points out that the first time that Nicodemus came, it was by night. But then it points out a brave thing that Nicodemus did during the day. In other words, the Bible is saying that Nicodemus is no longer serving Christ in the night. Now he's got a boldness about his life. Now he's openly serving the Lord. And that is how you know when you've grown in the Lord is you have more boldness. Here's what Paul said. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You know how you know when you've grown in the Lord, suddenly you don't care to tell that cashier about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how you're growing in the Lord, suddenly you don't care to tell that neighbor, that friend, that loved one about the Lord. That's an evidence that you've graduated to the meat, you've got off the milk, you're growing in the Lord. That's the challenge. We expect a baby to grow and a baby's going to grow, but it's first got to be born ask you something this morning have you ever been born again was there ever a day that your nature changed now I was born January the 1st 1977 first time wouldn't it be silly today if Bryce came up to me and said can you tell me when is your birthday? And I said, well, I'll tell you about that. I think I was born on January the 1st, but maybe, that's right, I hope. So he said, so have you ever been born or not? Well, maybe. 
I'm hoping, I'm hoping I was born. I believe I was. I believe I was born. Somebody said, what's the matter with that fellow? Either you was or you weren't. It's the same way with salvation. Either you've been born again or you ain't. There has to be a day when your nature changes. When the nature of God is imparted inside of you and you are born again. So that's the first question I want to ask you this morning. Have you ever been born again? Then the second question is this. If you're saved, how's your, how, how, how well are you growing? Are you still just barely on the milk? Been saved for years and never have graduated to the meat? Remember how I told you? How bold is your testimony? You say, boy, I shy away from telling anybody about the Lord. Something stunted your growth. Something stunted your growth. Because as you get bigger, you get bold. Bolder and bolder and bolder. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, Lord, we thank for God for this opportunity to bow our head for prayer. I pray that you'd do a work in this congregation, Lord. I pray that you'd save someone, that you'd move the saved closer to you. And do that as only you can, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. They're going to come sound the instruments. Give this altar call in two parts. The first part is, I wonder if somebody just needs to be born again. I wonder if thinking about it this morning, you're like, boy, I don't ever remember a time when my nature changed. I don't ever remember a time when things were made new. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. I don't ever remember that happening. And so I don't believe I'm saved. If that's what Jesus said salvation was, I ain't got that. I wonder this morning across the congregation, nobody's looking around. I wonder this morning who'd just be honest and say, preacher, that's me. I, I don't believe I've ever been I don't ever remember a time that I got saved. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to drag you. I won't embarrass you. You all know me better than that. But you just raise your hand up this morning. Just be honest and say, I, just, I don't ever remember a time when my nature changed. I don't ever remember a time when I had that kind of salvation experience. I don't ever remember a time when I got born again. Preacher, I'm afraid that I, that's never happened to me. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. How about another? Preacher, I don't believe that's ever happened to me. I don't believe there ever was a time, I don't believe there ever was a time when I really was born again. Would there be another? Would there be another? Preacher, that's the situation that's shape up in. All right. Let me ask you this. I wonder how many of you to be honest with me this morning. You say, Preacher, now I'm saved, and I know I'm saved. I've been born again, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest today. I'm going to be honest and say that I've not grown in Christ the way I should. My, I lack boldness. Here's some hands going up. How about others? I lack boldness. I've not grown the way I should. I need more meat. God bless you. Hands up all over the house. I need more meat. I, got, I need to be on the meat more, on the milk less. God bless all over the house. Hands going up. 
That's where I'm at, preacher. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give an altar call. This young man that raised his hand, I'm going to ask that you would come and be saved today. So I'm telling you, if God's convicting your heart, there's no time like today. All you've got to do is put faith in Christ. If you'll meet me right here in the altar, I'll show you how to be saved by the grace of God out of the Bible. Those of you that raised your hand and said, I'm saved, but I'm walking a guilt. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not growing like I should. I've not got, uh, not got the appetite for the meat the way I should. I don't have the boldness that I ought to have. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to get in this altar and ask the Lord to put a little miracle grow on you today, help give you an appetite, make you a little hungry, try to get hungry for the things of God. These are coming, folks moving all over the house, folks moving all over the building. You come, get in this altar today, and uh, the Lord do a work in your heart, do a work in your life. If you need to be saved, you can come. You can be saved today. If you're saved, you can come get where you need to be with the Lord and grow like you ought to. Why don't you come?